This is Scripture on Creation, a question and answer format radio program hosted by Dr. Ben Scripture. With a Master of Divinity, a PhD in Biochemistry, and over 30 years of experience studying and teaching about creation, he is well equipped to address current perspectives on creation, science, and intelligent design with biblically and scientifically sound answers. This and past programs are also available as a free podcast so you can listen anytime. If you have a question for Dr. Scripture, contact information follows the program. And now, Scripture on Creation. Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our last couple of programs, we've been talking about a creature called Leviathan, Mm -hmm. described in Job chapter 41, and that description seems a lot like a fire-breathing dragon. (laughs) And we try to make the case that it really might have been able to produce fire. Yeah, and interesting you should mention that because at the end of the last program, I asked you about the biological possibility of a fire-breathing dragon, and you started talking about a beetle. Now, were you changing? (laughs) the subject? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. The bombardier beetle is an example of a creature that can make an explosion. And this beetle is alive and well Mm. today. It uses it as a defense mechanism. And the reason then that we were talking at least to start about this bombardier beetle was to show that in nature, there is the precedence for a creature that can mix very, very unstable chemicals together and it causes an explosion. So the analogy would be then that God could have created this Leviathan with the ability perhaps to mix chemicals that would squirt out and mix in the air or something like this and produce fire. So I'm not trying to say that this Bombardier beetle actually makes a flame, but it does make a very, very hot, combustible explosion that it uses to get away from its predators. So first of all, let's look back at a couple of verses in Job chapter 41 that describes Leviathan as indeed being able to make fire. Job chapter 41, we'll just read verse 21. It says, His breath kindles coals and a flame goes forth from his mouth. And given that, then we're going to read a little bit about this bombardier beetle that does something similar. And what I'm going to do is read from a wonderful book. I recommend this book to everybody. You know, people ask me all the time about what kind of books I recommend that they could have their children read. Frankly, this, you might say, is a children's book or a young people's book, but I love it. I mean, I refer (laughs) to it frequently, so it's not just a kid's book. It's good for adults as well. The name of the book is The Amazing Story of Creation from Science and the Bible. It's written by Dr. Dwayne Gish of the Institute for Creation Research, illustrated, and the pictures in it are great. That's one of the reasons it's such a great <laughs> book, illustrated by Earl and Bonnie Snellenberger. And I'm going to read this whole section from pages 96 through 101 on the Bombardier Beetle. It starts like this. The Bombardier beetle is found throughout the temperate zone of the world. He is approximately one half inch long, so he's not as imposing as Leviathan, (laughs) and has a marvelously complex and highly effective defense mechanism. When an enemy or a predator gets in just the right position, this little beetle shoots very hot, irritating gases out of twin combustion tubes in his tail. (laughs) Yeah. When scientists first discovered the Bombardier beetle, scientific name Brachinus, they were curious to find out how he accomplished his amazing feat. Well, I'll say I'd try to figure out how he made this explosion too. 
To learn this, it was necessary to perform microsurgery on the beetles in order to investigate the type of apparatus employed, and chemicals were extracted from the apparatus to discovery what kind of chemistry the bombardier beetles used. You know, I'm a biochemist in training, yeah. and what we learn is chemicals are amazing things. They do almost anything. And this crazy bug can do amazing things with amazing chemicals. It was discovered that the Bombardier beetle has a double set of apparatus. He has twin chambers in which he stores two chemicals, hydroquinone and hydrogen peroxide dissolved in water. If a chemist mixes these two chemicals, the hydrogen peroxide oxidizes the hydroquinone and the mixture looks like brown soup. But the Bombardier beetle adds a mysterious inhibitor, which prevents the hydrogen peroxide from oxidizing the hydroquinone. In the beetle, this mixture of chemicals is combined with no reaction at all. The solution remains crystal clear. But when the Bombardier beetle is threatened and needs to employ its miniature cannon, he squirts the solution <laughs> of chemicals from the two storage chambers into the combustion tubes. Imagine the, the apparatus here. Two chambers to make these chemicals, squirting them into combustion tubes. Uh, I'll keep reading. What an amazing accident of evolution. Yeah, imagine, and this is the point that the article makes in this book, that there's no way we could possibly imagine evolution step by step. You know, enabling this bug to make hydroquinone, to make hydrogen peroxide, oxide and then separately mix them together in these chambers there's no way you can imagine this step by step happening the creature would have to have all of these apparatus all of these enzymatic chains working together to make this all at once it's a powerful example of irreducible complexity of course we're not even referring to that we're talking about the ability of an animal to make an explosion mix chemicals to produce in effect a fire or an explosion but I'll keep reading. In these combustion tubes, then, the beetle provides enzymes that catalyze these chemicals to form explosive chemicals. So when the beetle is threatened, it mixes these chemicals in another chamber. All of this happens extremely fast in the Bombardier beetle's combustion tubes, heating the liquid and gases up to 212 degrees Fahrenheit. That's, that's boiling, you know, and generating a lot of pressure. When the pressure gets high enough, the Bombardier beetle opens the valves on the end of his combustion tubes and the hot gases shoot out with a great force. A pop can actually be heard as the gases shoot out. It's nature's cap gun. A cap gun, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it would be more than a cap gun to that beetle if that explosion occurred inside of its body. Oh, yeah. But it has the ability to make these chemicals, mix these chemicals, and when it squirts it out, it's super hot and it makes, for all intents and purposes, an explosion that causes the predator to back off and move away, and then the beetle can sort of, on his leisurely stroll, just <laughs> escape. So there's a little bit more that this particular account in the amazing story of creation from science and the Bible describes, and I really would highly recommend this book for anybody that would like to read not only more about the Bombardier Beetle, but all kinds of excellent descriptions of what God did in creation and how science and the Bible don't necessarily contradict. Again, it's The Amazing Story of Creation from Science and the Bible, written by Dwayne Gish. You can get this on the Institute for Creation Research website in their bookstore, and of course, there's other places to get it as well.
So, Dr. Scripture, turning our attention back to this idea of Leviathan and the possibility that was a fire-breathing dragon. Last program, we talked about potential differences between the dragon of legend and the dragons of movies and this actual creature, Leviathan. And when we're talking about him breathing fire, we may not necessarily be talking about, you know, them shooting out the long stream that you see in the movies or that sort of thing. It could have been more of a sneeze like it was described there in the Bible. Yeah, or some kind of a a breath that comes out, maybe then it would ignite, you know, as it hit oxygen or something. There's all kinds of examples of chemicals that when it hits oxygen will then ignite or combust. And so we don't know exactly the apparatus used by Leviathan, but it certainly is not without precedent that an animal could create fire. And so when the Bible describes Leviathan as this fire-producing creature, I think we can take it at face value. And yet there was more to Leviathan than just this immense power that he had in his protective armor and his ability to create fire. As we mentioned last time, symbolically speaking, Leviathan might also represent Satan. Now, we made the point that Leviathan was a real creature. And as so often is the case, a type of something, in this case, I would say Leviathan is a type of Satan. The type is a real thing. Abraham, David, and Isaac, Moses, other types of Christ were real people. They paralleled in many ways the character of Christ or events in their lives paralleled events in Christ's life, but they weren't exactly like Christ. And so, In the case of Leviathan, things about this creature paralleled Satan, but Leviathan was real, though not exactly like Satan. And last time we mentioned the serpent, which is a very real creature, but is also used as a type of Satan. Right, and a dragon. And what we're going to see is Leviathan is mentioned in other portions of Scripture, and especially one we're going to read in Isaiah, where we see that Leviathan was used as a type of Satan. And so let's read one more passage where we see Leviathan referred to. And again, as we read it, it appears really simply on the surface that Leviathan was a creature that God made. And it's this creature that was described in detail in the book of Job. It's Psalm 104. And we'll start reading at verse 24. It says, O Lord, how many are thy works! In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy possessions. There is the sea, great and broad, in which are swarms without number, animals both small and great. There the ships move along, and Leviathan, which thou hast formed to sport in it. (laughs) So there, you know, Leviathan sounds like a sea monster. And that would then be one of the creatures that God created on day five. I like that image of him sporting in there. I think some translations say frolics there in the sea. Yeah, and nothing is going to capture him. Even a whale Mm -hmm. can be captured. You know, we have this tragedy of people still killing whales for blubber. It's really silly, isn't it? But the Isaiah passage we read doesn't seem to be referring to Leviathan that swims around in the ocean. And in this passage, Isaiah chapter 27, verse 1, when we read it, it seems like it can't even be really talking about Leviathan. I mean, God is going to be punishing this creature, and Leviathan as an animal is simply an animal that God made. There would be no punishment that God would have on an animal. But listen to what God says about Leviathan here. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 1. In that day, the Lord will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, with his fierce and great and mighty sword, even Leviathan, the twisted serpent. 
and he will kill the dragon who lives in the sea. There's all three of those animals. Yeah, Leviathan, dragon, and fleeing serpent. Now, there are other places where the serpent and the dragon are referred together as meaning Satan. It's in the book of Revelation. It's in chapter 20, verse 2. It says, And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So we see this connection between the identity of the dragon, the serpent, and the devil, and Leviathan when we connect the book of Revelation and this passage in Isaiah all together. Well, you know, Dr. Scripture, I noticed something there in that Isaiah passage talks about God, I think, said punishing Leviathan with a sword. You know, we learn in Job that you cannot pierce Leviathan with a spear or with anything. You can't do it, but God can pierce him with his sword. That's right, exactly. You know, and there is one of those things that I think God is making a distinction between the inability of man— and his weakness, and the ability of God and his power. And if what we're talking about is Satan here, what God is pointing out is we have no defense against Satan, but of course God does. In the New Testament, the Lord reminds us that greater is he who is in you, speaking of the Holy Spirit, than he who is in the world. That's the devil. And you know, Scott, I want to refer to one more passage in the book of Job. It's an amazing connection between this piercing the serpent, the devil with the sword. God can do it and we can't. Job 26, verse 12 and 13. He quieted the sea with his power, and by his understanding he shattered Rahab. By his breath the heavens are cleared. His hand has pierced the fleeing serpent. Wow. (laughs) And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the program. If you would like to hear this or past episodes of the program, listen to them on our podcast, Scripture on Creation. You can subscribe for free or listen on our website, and you can learn more about our ministry on the website, scriptureoncreation.org. Scripture on Creation is a listener-supported ministry, and your gifts and prayers are greatly appreciated. If you have comments or questions you'd like Dr. Scripture to address, you can contact him by sending an email to scripture at scriptureoncreation.org or call 574-551-1524.